This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. Marijuana. Dope. Pot. Grass. Grass. Weed. Weed. Mary Jane. Mary Jane. Bud. 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 Ganja. 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 Hash. Green. Herb. Herb. Recreational cannabis. It's been legal in Illinois since January 1st, 2020. More than three years now. And at the time, Illinois was the 11th state to legalize recreational cannabis use. But the state did things a little differently than those other places. In Illinois, the law is steeped in social equity. It's been an attempt to address the harm caused by over-policing for minor drug offenses during the war on drugs. My colleague Alex Degman is a state house reporter here at WBEZ, and he's been reporting on cannabis legislation throughout Illinois and in Chicago for a while now, doing research, talking to craft growers here and there, and sharing their stories. But I've been wanting a general orientation around how things are coming along since legalization. Albeit slowly, a lot has happened in the last three years. Cannabis has already made the state billions of dollars in tax revenue. And judging by what's happening in California, the industry could be exponentially consequential for Illinois' economy. So Alex is here to do some of that orientation, starting with more details on what Illinois' cannabis law hoped to do in the first place. The ostensible idea behind it was obviously to legalize recreational cannabis in the state. They saw that as a pretty major windfall in the tides returning across the country that were you know, making people more accepting of this. So they wanted to do it, but they wanted to do it in a way that was responsible. They wanted to make a so-called social equity aspect of it. So it's not just that cannabis was legalized. It was legalized in a specific way so that certain people would hopefully be able to benefit from that. What are some of the ways that they were wanting to make it socially equitable? So they outlined a bunch of parameters that people would have to fall into in order to be considered a social equity business. Some of those would be the principal owner of the business needs to have lived in a disadvantaged area for a good portion of their life, um, have been convicted of cannabis offenses themselves in the past, um, have family members who have been through the system because of cannabis offenses, or they could simply just open and hire people in a disadvantaged area. So those are the parameters. And when it really got into it, when they started to issue more applications for dispensaries, more applications for grow facilities and things like that, they all had to fall under those parameters. Everybody who applied for one of these businesses had to be a social equity business as defined by the state. Okay. And forgive me, I just want to, but a person can, can open a dispensary and not meet any of those parameters what What is their process? How is it different from a person who does meet those? Well, at this point, um, you can't be. Um, you can't? Oh. Yeah. So if you're trying to open a new dispensary or if you're trying to be an infuser or a transporter or any one of these businesses, uh, yeah, you basically at this point have to be a social equity applicant. Ah, got you. Okay. Interesting. And then there was another point of social equity. If you could just, you know, give us a broad stroke here about criminal records being expunged. Yeah. So part of the law, a big part of the law was the fact that 
well, equity. Equity is kind of at the center of this. So not only do they want people to get into the business that were affected by this in the past, they want to expunge minor offenses, period. And there was a plan mm-hmm. to expunge. I, I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but it, it's in the hundreds of thousands. Um, and we're talking about minor cannabis offenses. So basically, if you were caught with basically an ounce of cannabis, so 30 grams, which is a little bit more than an ounce. And if you were um, ticketed for that, if you received a citation, that has to be expunged. Up to this point, and they have little uh, benchmarks in the law because there's so many of them, they need some time to expunge all of them. So as of January 1st of this year, if you had a minor cannabis offense either on January 1st, 2000 or later, that should have been expunged by now, according to the law. Hmm. Okay. So going back to the folks who actually want to get into the business, not who just want to get their records expunged, um, how is that going as far as those social equity licenses? It's starting to get better, but it's still really slow for a couple of reasons. Uh, Number one, there were a lot of applications that were held up in court for over a year because there were challenges to how the licenses were awarded and things like that. So nobody could get their licenses while that was tied up in court. So people are sitting on property. They're just spending all of their own capital to try to maintain these sites. But once the court decided that you can award these licenses, then there was another problem of, well, now we don't have any money. There is the issue that cannabis is still federally illegal, so it's virtually impossible to get loans from any federally backed bank. Interesting. And there were state loan programs that were set up through um, banks that work specifically with the state on cannabis. But those were slow, too, because there were some issues with the people applying for the loans. You know, that's a problem that some people are running into. A lot of these social equity businesses, they don't have a lot of startup capital. They don't have a lot of existing credit. So Mm. getting loans from, you know, banks that are even working with the state is difficult. And then you have the issue of private investors who are looking at Illinois' uh, recreational market and being like, you know, some of the ways that these laws are written don't really make any sense. And I don't really see how I'm going to get a return here. So I'm going to move on. So that's what a lot of these social equity craft businesses have been dealing with. And like I said, it's starting to get better very slowly, but it's still a little bit of a slog. Okay. So has a state acknowledged and recognized some of their responsibility within this? Are they doing anything about it? They have. Yeah. So about the financial aspect of it, there was something that they set up through the Department of Commerce and Economic Opportunity to give – fully forgivable loans for Mm. these social equity businesses. And people are applying for that, and they're confident that they're going to get that money. Um, At least the folks that I've been talking to, they're confident that they're going to get the state loans. But they just haven't gotten them yet. It's just taking a really long time for them to get their money. All right. So moral of the story, it's all real slow. (laughs) That's true. Um, So zooming out a little bit here, what are you seeing across the state as far as what cities are opening dispensaries versus not? Well, I think it's fair to say that a lot of dispensaries are going to be in Chicago because Chicago is obviously the population center. There's more customers there. So that's where a lot of them are going to be. But what I'm also finding out, and I thought this was pretty interesting, was that there are people who live in Chicago and who are like from the area and they work full time in the Chicago area, but they're applying for licenses all over the state. For example, there was a woman Mm. that I talked to who is trying to open a craft grow facility in Kankakee, but she's also trying to open a dispensary in DeKalb. So it really just depends on where the licenses are available and 
you know, what makes the most sense business-wise for these folks to open. I'm seeing more dispensaries open in Chicago, like down here in Springfield, uh, where I am. Mm -hmm. They're planning on opening a couple of more within the year. It's not really so much of a rural thing. Um, You're not really going to find dispensaries, I, I don't think, necessarily, like out in the middle of nowhere, per se. But there are smaller towns in southern, western, central Illinois that have some of these dispensaries as well. So you recently talked to Matt Brewer, who is the owner of Grasshopper Club, which is the first black-owned independent uh, craft dispensary in Illinois. Um, Just opened up in Logan Square, but already they're planning to open another location in the city. And that sounds like, you know, they're, they're expecting quite a bit of profitability. I'm wondering if you can tell if at this moment, given all that you've said, everything that's moving slowly, is this a smart investment right now for folks? Well, it's... It's really tough to say because I I mean when when you think of the revenues from a standpoint of like overall yeah. um cannabis in Illinois is still really expensive. Like if you look at the prices in Illinois compared to other states like we're still really high here, no pun intended. But <laughs> it's so it it gets to the point of like are, do you have the capital now to make it because if you can make it for the, through the first few years, I mean obviously mm. Yeah, I think cannabis is still a pretty good investment because it's only going to get more popular as more states begin to legalize it. And then I would have to imagine that a, that the uh, federal prohibition is probably going to end soon, too. So the business is only going to get hmm. bigger. It's just a matter of being able to weather the storm in Illinois now, which I think we may be starting to see some some lifting of the clouds. Alex Degman is a state house reporter here at WBEZ, making all the predictions that the uh, cannabis growers want to hear. Alex, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. If you want to know more about Grasshopper Club, Alex did a whole feature on them. You can find it at WBEZ.org. And that's it for today. Thank you to Justin Bull and Sam Deer for producing The Rundown and to Ariel Van Clee for editing the show. Thank you to Dave Miska for engineering this episode. Our theme music is by Louis Weeks. And other music on the show is from Audio Network. I'm Erin Allen. Thank you for listening to The Rundown. I'll talk to you tomorrow. I didn't even think about clouds from a smoke perspective. I thought about clouds from a storm perspective. (laughs)